This is Finance, a basic look at the complex world of investing. Join me, Matt Gregory, and reformed Wall Street guy Peter Raschuti as we put the fun in fundamentals of market capitalism. Don't worry, the dad jokes are free, and they're also infrequent. If you go to their website, for instance, any of these companies, public companies, you hit, and there's an entire section on ESG. Some of it is, I think, frankly, very sincere. They're changing the way they did business. And I think others, you know, just have a picture of three employees, uh, making a garden out in front of the the headquarters. (laughs) On this week's episode, what is socially responsible investing? And here we go again. This time I'm in a different building, Peter, as we're getting ready to start this uh, episode. It's good to be back at work for the many people who have been working from home. I'm sure many love it. I hated it. Wow. And you know, you're, I'm used to you in a t-shirt and you have a tie on. I've always told my family that you can trust anyone as long as they're wearing a tie. Oh my gosh, what a, I am, that is such a bad idea. It, it, well, if you're out in public and a guy asks you for money, he's got a tie on, but the most likely scenario I would always go with is, oh, he probably is going to use that for an investment. Oh, that is great. Innocent, but great. They, uh, what's they always say, uh, if you if always borrow money from a pessimist, they don't think they'll get it back. You know, so um, the same camp. Exactly. <laughs> so today is one that I'm not sure of. So I thought we would kind of go through it slowly, but we're going to learn about what is socially sensitive investing. So what is this? Oh, this is, this is, um, Matt, this interests me so much and it is such a growing topic. And what it is, is trying to make your investments align with your personal values. So some of the things that would be obvious might be is, you know, if you were, you know, a believer of climate change, uh, which everybody should be, um, you know, might say, I don't want to have oil stocks in my portfolio. Uh, um, just whatever really ties to what you're, um, to what you care about. And it's called, the real term for it now is it's, it's evolved over time, but is ESG, environmental, social, and governance, where you look at a company in so many different ways and see if you just believe in what they're doing. And it's become so big, Matt, that all these companies have had to come out and make, if you go to their website, for instance, any of these companies, public companies, you hit, and there's an entire section on ESG. Some of it is, I think, frankly, very sincere. They're changing the way they did business. And I think others, you know, just have a picture of three employees uh, making a garden out in front of the, uh, the headquarters or something, but it's here. And, and it's, it's so big because, Matt, it's going to be the biggest story going forward because, um, it tends to, younger people, it's bad generally, but um, younger people tend to care more about this than, than older people do. And we are about to see the greatest, largest, most amazing wealth transfer in the history of the world as this generation kind of passes away and all these other people who were boomers and everything else, um, they, they care and they're going to inherit a lot of money and they want to invest it very differently. And... Uh, it's just fascinating. When I, it was started when I was when I was in Boston and working in the investment field like 40 years ago is where I remember it starting. There was a woman named Amy Dominey in Cambridge, Mass. And she was designing mutual funds that just had things that, you know, wouldn't offend people. One of the things that I was curious about was like, as you see this, right, the socially sensitive investing, what percent of the market right now do you think is like doing it this way? I mean, you say it's a growing number. Do we have it? Has anyone looked into what that could be? I, I don't know what that number is, but it is clearly the fastest growing aspect of the investment business. Every mutual fund company has tripped over themselves to get 
some funds out there in this area. In fact, you know, it kind of depends on the size of your organization, but if you have a 401k, um, I would suspect on average, they have about 12 mutual funds in there, which is kind of a funny story too. People didn't know how many to offer employees, you know, and some would offer like one and then someone offered like 200 and like, you know, 200 just confused people. One wasn't very fair. So now it's about a dozen is the rule. But I'm saying out of that dozen, I think more likely than not, you're going to see an ESG fund in there. It, one of the things we talked about previously was that um, in addition to like, so in that vein, right, of ESG or, or socially sensitive, what about, um, you know, the kind of industries that could be growing off of that? Like, you you know, we've talked about it before. There's... Um, there's obviously environmentally sound energy, but there's also uh, climate resilience, uh, climate almost repair. What do you see like growing in that space? You know, the most interesting part of it, Matt, is uh, there's two ways to go about this. And uh, I'm Italian, so I'll use the example of a spaghetti strainer. I think this always helps if you're playing along at home in the kitchen. And, uh, but what it is, there's two ways to go about this. One is to take companies that you feel are doing good. They're making a change and all that. And then putting it through that colander and, uh, and looking for, do you like the stocks at that point? Do you like the value? I mean, you like the valuation? And what comes out will be the kind of ones you, you'd like to invest in. The other camp is to uh, look at all the stocks you like, the ones you love at, at these levels and valuation. I'll put it through another spaghetti strainer that strains out companies um, that you don't believe in what they're, how they're making their money and you get that group. So same group. Um, and one of the important things for this whole thing, Matt, is that it's tied to your values. Like I remember, once again, this is like 40 years ago, nobody knew what the heck we were talking about. And I was up there and I had been asked to set a portfolio up for a, a local Catholic church. And, um, and so I did just a paper portfolio to present it to them. And so I went back and I created a portfolio that didn't have nuclear weapons or tobacco or alcohol. And I presented it to them and um, they were very nonplussed. They, uh, I really thought I had done a pretty good job here. And I was brought back out into the hallway by one priest that said, uh, that might be your values, but that's not our values. Uh, you know, first of all, we all smoke and drink. And secondly, you've got Pfizer and Merck in there and they make birth control pills. <laughs> I remember thinking that is right. It's, uh, the reason we should be doing on your values is, oh yeah, it's your money. So, um, so <laughs> One of those 22-year-old coming-of-age things, but um, but yeah. So and, uh, today in D.C., I just I looked up, and um, by the time this airs, it'll be two weeks late, but I, I saw climate change protesters are back, uh, which we haven't seen since the pandemic began. They usually go along Pennsylvania Avenue, and this is not a joke. This is not hyperbole. They will chain themselves to like a boat, like someone will bring a boat to the middle of Pennsylvania Avenue, and they'll chain themselves to it. I don't know how the boat is is a symbol for climate change. I know today's was a gigant was a gigantic a miniature oil derrick, and they chained oh, themselves oh. to that, and they're laying in the in like Pennsylvania Avenue or Fifteenth Street. But uh, their big beef, and it's also interesting because they have caught on to this, is that there are banks that fund these companies, right? Oh, that they boy. may disagree you are, with. You so, are you couldn't be on a better spot, Matt. So who like how do, will this affect banks in the long run? Oh. I'll tell you, I'll mention this happened in Louisiana it almost happened in, it happened in Texas as well. But first of all, a lot of states, a lot of states that are more progressive are saying, um, so companies, for instance, one of the things you see in like Citigroup came out to this Bank America where they said, I'm not going to make loans to people that make guns. 
And I'm not going to make loans to retailers that, you know, won't do background checks on people that are trying to trying to buy guns. And we think that's the right thing to do. Well, some of the states like Louisiana and Texas have looked into or have done, um, they've said, okay, well, next time we do a bond offering, which is the state issuing bonds uh, to borrow money in, on Wall Street, we won't um, use either of your two banks. So that's the, you talk about the, the divide in this, yeah. in this subject. It's incredible. It's fascinating because you're right. As the transfer comes from wealth of the boomers, as boomers and Gen X starting to leave the marketplace, there will be the transfer of wealth. Do you, but it was always my belief that boomers were generally pretty progressive or at least um, socially conscious or environmentally conscious. I mean, in the late 60s, we had the first Earth Day. So do you uh, do you see this being sustainable with this younger generation? Will they also, I guess my generation become sort of um, boomers also, I guess, bumming, yeah. budding boomers as the term would be. I think boomers, they, uh, no, I, I don't think that's going to, um, going to happen because it's, it's so ingrained in these folks, but more importantly, more importantly is that studies have shown you're not giving anything up by staying away from nuclear power or oil or whatever. In fact, over long periods of time, um, these socially conscious funds have done a little bit better than the average fund. And uh, the reason is, is that you're tending to stay away from, because what you're looking at their environmental record, uh, we know what that is. And then social, you know, maybe that's uh, has to do with hiring and diversity and such and governance uh, has to do with um, whether they're, you know, it's if the board of directors is all just cronies of the CEO, all the, so you're, you're, you're filtering out a lot of bad ideas. And that's one reason the performance is a little bit better. And it's so confusing, Matt. Like I have a student that works for a company called Parnassus out in San Francisco. They're the largest um, ESG mutual fund in the country. And he was telling me, I said, it was just telling me of, of the different uh, levels of this. For instance, you would think that investing in solar would be great. Companies that made solar panels, but some of these companies actually have them made in China and South Korea. And these people are being paid basically slave wages. So you can imagine you know, and so they're steering away from those, you know, so it's not always just as obvious as you would think it would be, uh, I think it would be either. And, uh, but, you know, we had a panel, we have the Birken Road Conference every spring, and uh, we got about 1100 people that came. These are, they come to see my students' reports and the companies that are presenting. And uh, we had a panel this year on ESG, and we had, we're lucky enough to have five or six alums that are involved in it. One alum is funny because you saw the differences. Look, when I proposed these kind of things in the past, past 10 years, ESG things, it was sort of like, oh, that's cute. And, you know, and that's Peter's Kumbaya contribution to the company here or something like that. But now you get people, and that's who was on this panel, saying to companies, and they're like, I don't care about all this ESG and all, it's uh, just a bunch of fluff. And, uh, the, and they're saying, well, you know, if you don't do something and address the, the uh, issue here, you won't have access to the capital markets. It's like, well, that is a whole different subject. That, uh, you know, there's. I was gonna say that really is the definition of as the, I don't know if the kids say it, but the voting with your wallet, right? Oh yeah. Like and you want change. We, we think all, yeah, it's just to me, we, we talk all day about like, oh, get out there and rock the vote. That rarely does much. But I think if you wanna see some sort of change, you're right. Put your money where your mouth is or your your causes. Right. I mean, it's one thing to chain yourself to an oil rig there next to your 
next to your station or something, which, you know, has some good things too. But you start moving money around. Well, that changes, uh, that changes everything. And um, so I, I'm, I'm really optimistic on where this can, uh, where this can uh, all go. Uh, the, and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I'll give you a good example. We, we go to visit our Birken Road companies. We, the students go out in teams of five with myself and meet the CEO and the CFO. When we started this four years ago asking, it was just, they looked at us like we had three heads. And now it's, they are ready for that question. They've got something prepared. They've got something built on the website. It's a whole day. And they may, they may disagree with the whole thing, but they have better address, uh, address, address this situation. And we now in our reports have an entire page. It's a 20 page report, but an entire page on ESG. And we don't, because we're not experts in all this. What we do is the students ask them, what in the last couple of years have you done in the ESG space that you're most proud of? And then they ask, um, what do you have on the table or in your sandbox there to, that's uh, regarding ESG that you're looking at and you're hoping to bring forward? And that's, that's enough. And you see what it does. It makes, it makes them think about this because it's not going to be just me and my students at Tulane. Everybody's asking them these questions. And, you know, you could say it's kind of a softball question, but... I don't care if it's even a softball question. It makes them start to consider it. And, and that's it. And some, you know, I'll tell you why it's so difficult, Matt, is sometimes you take entire industries and you say, I don't want to be in oil, for instance. Well, you know, maybe you should look at oil might be a part of your portfolio. It's a part of the energy complex. You're, you're cutting something off in here. Maybe you should evaluate oil companies versus each other. Like, for instance, you know, uh, one of the I'm not saying that, but you know, the rule on the street has always been uh, that Exxon was kind of slow to the table on, on ESG. They were, you know, or, new, or renewables or anything like that, where Shell and BP have been very progressive. And, you know, maybe that's, if you need energy in your portfolio to, uh, to succeed, well, if you're going to do that, maybe BP and Shell would be a better choice than Exxon. So all these levels are, are incredible to me. I was going to ask you, um, and maybe there's no answer to this, but, um, you know, one of the things that people would say is, well, I, I don't care what the company does as long as it does well. And it, tangentially, like related to that, doing something environmental, right? So you've, you've gone to these companies, you were talking to them 10, 15 years ago. Now you're back talking to them again, asking these questions. Does it cost them that much to make some sort of investment or to change a portion of their industry or, or their product to be environmentally friendly? Is it is it that big of a devastating hit to them as they would, as many people have kind of said it is when they have to do their press releases? Well, I guess it depends on the company and the industry, but generally, no. Generally, you're going to spend some money on the upfront part, maybe the first two or three years, and then it's going to pay off for you. Like there's a billboard company uh, that told this story the other day, and they decided that you know, thousands of billboards would take forever to do this completely, but um, to get off the grid for the billboards and just put solar panels on the top of them. And that creates the light for it. And you can imagine a project like that is gonna be rolling it out, you know, as quickly as you can, but very pretty slowly in the big picture. And it's costing you money and it's costing you money for the first year and the second year and the third year. But in this particular example, they were picking up another $350,000 in savings after the third year. So it's a, a lot of these are tough sells in the short run. Uh, but not in the long run. And I'll tell you, if you look up a company now, you go to Yahoo or 
uh, any of those sites, uh, Bloomberg, and you, you go to do some research on a company, you will see, it's usually at the bottom, is there's a company called ISS, Institutional Shareholder Services, and they rank them based on ESG. Like I think the way it is, five is the best and one is the worst. So you, you know, you could disagree with the way they do their calculations or whatever, but you can actually see a synopsis of their, of how this company's done. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. And we've kind of touched on it earlier, but I kind of, I would like to approach it again just to make sure I get some clarity on it. Uh, the obvious things people think is they hear this like, oh, that means I should invest in Tesla or I should invest in uh, this energy company that's using 50% of its grid solar wise. What should people, where can people go to number one to see what their company is doing? And number two, what should they be looking for? Because it sounds obvious that you would think, oh, a solar energy. But like you said, it could be creating parts in China. It could be Tesla where you're not comfortable with where the uh, profits are going to. Let's say you're not into Elon Musk's one blunt every decade uh, <laughs> habit. I mean, it, it, what should people be looking at and where can they go to find that? Well, you know, one of the things is you can look at the company's website. And if you go to the menu, you'll see, uh, you'll see the businesses they're in. And I tend to think, is that I'm not, I'm not willing to throw something out just because they may be, let's say, in, in a, a natural gas transmission utility. I'm looking at some of the statements that are saying where they're, where they're going, you know, because you can't just turn a switch and you're a very, very different company, but you can see the progress being made. And I'll tell you something that I think is fun, but maybe it's mainly because I, I don't have any good hobbies or anything like that. I, uh, is, uh, you know, I get Barron's every, Barron's is like the Wall Street Journal of the, um, for weekends. And I remember telling my class once on, that I know a grocery store that has Barron's and every Saturday night, I know it comes in around four o'clock and I go to the grocery store at that point to get the Barron's and take it home and read it. And I thought it was gonna be a kind of story where, wow, you know, maybe I'll be into the markets that much, but they took it as, Jeez, that's the saddest lifestyle I've ever heard. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so thinking of that, um, if you go to a company's website, I, I'll tell you, for an individual investor, it's never been easier to get information on a company because everything is just opening up completely. And one of the things you can do is every quarter, every three months, a company comes out and announces their earnings and follow it up with a conference call. And uh, anybody can tune in. If you go to the if you go to the investor relations section of the uh, their website, you can tune in. And I like just hearing verbally what they're talking about. Every every call you're going to be in, somebody's going to ask about some environmentally, social, or governance issue. And uh, and I think one of the things to do is obviously if you get the time, I go back and I listen to the last two or three uh, conference calls and see if if they followed through on their promises or their, you know, their goals and you know, how have they changed. And um, it's, it's getting easy to do this. I was going to say, those are the environmental ones, um, which are a little bit easier to see. Um, uh, I read this in the wall street journal in the summertime. Oh my gosh, last summer, not this one. Okay. So a year ago. Um, and this is, I'm going to go a long way to get to a point that's very relevant. Since 2008, half of the black banks in America have failed. Um, they've either had to close up or do something else. Um, and that's obviously a source of, you know, income for underprivileged communities or people who may not be uh, meeting those standards that were actually put in by the federal government for loans and things of that nature. It's one of the unintended consequences is you actually shut out people who have bad credit, who do not have a credit history, so on. But half the banks failed. It was only 40. Now it's about 20, 22. 
But in the last year, you saw this uh, the social unrest, which led to people wanting to make a socially conscious investment into these communities. And one of the ways to do that was through um, banking, which is probably the best way. It's 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 something you'll never see, but it's probably the best way. A lot of people have said to in to to help a community is to invest financially in it. So my question is. Are you seeing any of that? Because I did think that I, I had heard from a couple of the um, the uh, uh, there's a two prominent black banks here in D.C. They got major investments from Citibank. Citibank shot capital into them. Are, are you seeing anyone who's looking at companies and saying, are you making, you know, socially conscious investments? And therefore, I want to be involved in you because diversity of thought is equally helpful in this space, I would imagine. Oh, you definitely see it on the board of directors level. Uh, in fact, NASDAQ wants to see in the next couple of years that you have at least, I think it's one or two board members that are either uh, minority or women. So part of it's just being pushed by the exchanges. But I, I think um, sometimes you have to ask, look for questions, look for answers that might not be directly in there. And that's, for instance, you might say, all right, I now have two African-Americans on the board and that does add diversity. And, you know, there's certainly great reasons to do that. But, and you might see that, um, Oh, 10% of our workforce is African-American, but you want to really see, you know, what kind of positions are they in? Uh, are they, and then another number that's kind of hard to get your arm around, but what does your pipeline look like? You know, that, you know, for, you know, women or minorities that are moving up in the organization, you know, you might've just hired one guy that was an executive at some other company or whatever, but are you really trying to change the whole direction of the company? Uh, and what they represent by um, hiring people at all different levels that are moving up. And uh, that's quite a commitment. And so I, um, I think these, these are, um, that's great. So I think what you'll see is any company, if you look at the website, will have something about positive about themselves from ESG, but you need to comb through that and see if it, if it really makes any sense. Um, by the way, the, the minority banks, that is, you know, I've done some things where, you know, nothing very, you know, heroic or anything, but bought CDs at, at, a, at a minority owned bank. And what that does is, I mean, that's very clear mathematically because you're putting money in and they're able to use that for loans in the community. So, um, you know, some of them you, you feel pretty good about because you actually, you can, you can walk through what's going to happen. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to happen. It's not. Um, and the other thing is that this is not, you know, I know there's people out there in the other world that think this is just a blip, like, you know, hang in there, Bubba, it's going to be fine. We'll forget about all this women and minority stuff. And we'll, you know, we'll go back. It, and I didn't mean to use the Southern accent for that. There's um, just living in Louisiana, but it's, um, but it's not, so, in no way as a, uh, but um, you know what they say, once you get out of any city, it's sort of like that. You get 15 minutes out of any city. And it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy, they, they always gave him a lot of flack for used to do that thing. You know, you might be a redneck when, and they said like, you're so mean to the South. And he goes, oh no, no. <laughs> you go 15, 20 miles out of any city. It's like, it's not a Southern thing at all. So, uh, but they think it is, people think it'll just disappear and it is not gonna disappear. And uh, this new generation with the money, is going to make sure of it. The other thing is, and this is kind of a funny way to look at it, part of it is just that you feel, frankly, good about what's going on in here. Because, you know, if you buy stock in a company that you feel good about um, and sell uh, stock in a company you don't feel good about, it really doesn't have much of an impact on the company itself. We talked about that with GameStop, you know, 
stock goes up or down and, you know, it doesn't change what I'm doing day to day unless the company does a secondary offering, which you and I talked about before they actually did it. But AMC and GameStop, I know they're in a dark room going, you know, I have no idea why our stock is at this level, but it's a good chance to issue more of those shares, you know, (laughs) which (laughs) you learned in MBA school. It's nobody's fault. It's the right thing to do. So, uh, yeah, so so we will um, we will have to see. But talk about a subject that'll just keep coming up, Matt. This this is it. I think so. I think especially with what we're facing in terms of a climate crisis that's already upon us, but moving in a trajectory precipitously. I think is the term. It's an exponential loss. Uh, I think we'll be seeing more. I was going to ask you because I think that's Matt, a pretty can I say good. Something before oh, we get started, go ahead. I got to tell you that that precipitously word meant a lot to me because I was doing. I was doing the news once in New Orleans. I used to do a little Sunday piece and uh, very, very sm- small and everything. But um, of course you do the, <laughs> you're talking TV talk. You do, you're on the desk and then you do the little piece airs. Then you say something and you throw it back over to the anchor. Well, I threw it back over to the anchor. It was a piece on interest rates. And she said, well, if that, if this economic scenario works out what will happen to interest rates? And I said, you would see a precipitous decline in interest rates. And so I got off the desk and I walked down the hallway and the news director, only half kiddingly, grabbed me by the tie and slammed me against the cement wall. And I said, what? And he goes, precipitously? He goes, you know, what does that mean? I said, a lot. He goes, okay, next time say a lot. So it's, so so that word just jumped out at me. It sounds like he vociferously spoke to (laughs) you. That's what I should have come back. One of the stranger things is uh, I sometimes because I just drop $5 words and I don't mean to, it just happens on TV. My brain will lock up. But ever since I got COVID um, I can't find those words. So I'm always, I've routinely dumbing myself down. It's been great for my career. I no longer say things like exponential. I'm like, yeah, it's a sizable growth. Yeah. It's a, it's a wicked uh, amount of mass. That's what we'd say in Boston, I guess. It's a wicked lot, but uh that's a good look at sen- what, what, it's socially sensitive investing. I'd not heard of it. Very interesting. Um, I had a, a couple of questions for you about not so much what the market's doing, I guess, but um, I wanted to ask you about like what you, if you're seeing any industries that you think will be starting to make a move upwards, and I'm not talking about specific companies, but you know, uh, tech, like you said, because it's very much speculative, gonna not do so well as interest rates go up. What do you think is sort of on the horizon? Maybe not to be something that people invest in and say, you know, oh, this will win me money, but somewhere they can say, this is a place I could put money for several years that'll be doing well over the next couple of years or so. I, I think you can do it in funds. I think you can look at like ESG funds and you can look at more tech uh, funds, more uh, uh, progressive kind of um, new industry companies. But I, I will tell you that we're not the only ones thinking of this and uh, where the future is going to be. And those stocks tend to be very expensively priced. Um, one, thing you, one thing you can think about, and this is kind of something I invest in, I never tend to invest in the tech companies, but I invest in the companies that are going to be able to use that technology uh, to move forward or maybe cut costs or increase sales. And, um, and that's kind of a uh, backdoor approach to, uh, to technology. What's uh, like so. an example of like... Um... Uh, not a specific one, but like, well, what, like, a, what's the product being made, and where's it? Where could you see it at a storefront or being used in the oh, everyday? Um, you would see it very much in, in, for instance, uh, a manufacturing company where 
Uh, you know, they used to be this, this cost structure and now because of say robotics or something like that, they've been able to produce uh, uh, at a much lower price. And so that, those kind of uh, manufacturing kind of things. Uh, then you get companies, retailers that have been able to push so much of their sales uh, online and that's, that's requiring less bricks and mortar. So I'm finally looking for companies that are uh, kind of doing, uh, doing that. Uh, so we, we will, uh, we'll have to see, but um, I think it, I think it makes sense. It's uh, um, so many people are, are, are beneficiaries of all this. I, I, do was have t- I do have another TV story for you though. Oh, what's that? You're a TV guy. So um, another time I was, when I'd be on the desk, these are funny stories to talk to you about. I was on the desk and afterwards, uh, the anchor would ask me a question about it. And so, um, so my, I had friends that didn't know, any, know anything about TV. And they was, this would happen to me all the time. They'd go, two things. They'd go, wow. First of all, I can't believe the anchor knew so much about that subject. And I'll tell you, Peter, I don't think you're that bright, but you never get stumped. And I think, I write the question. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's something. All right, that's about all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter, and thank you at home for listening.